dinosaurs. Hey, you like Pez? It looks like that has Heaney from the boundary line. He's an expert at these. Hello and welcome to Behind the Boundary Podcast. We are here and up and about for semi-finals footy. We've got Richmond versus St Kilda just tonight. It is a Friday afternoon and we've got Geelong versus Collingwood tomorrow. I'm here with Source to talk all about it and both our teams being in this week, Source, uh, don't know how we're feeling. I'm feeling good. I'm glad that uh, Geelong uh, and St Kilda you know, won and lost respectively to uh, to keep it interesting for us uh, as fans. You know, I'm really, It's really gracious of Geelong to lose and... St Kilda to keep the dream alive, so uh, no, very nervous, uh, Pez. Uh, I'm probably proper nerves haven't probably hit yet. Tomorrow they'll start to, and I, no, I noticed you as the day's going on, you're getting a little bit more fidgety, a little bit more uh, angsty. The nerves are creeping in. Yeah, yeah. It's what is it? Uh, well, there's four hours or so until game time, and it's not not good at all because uh, it. I'm not as nervous as last week yet because it was against the Bulldogs. Um, we were underdogs, but I thought we were meant to win, and if we lost it. It would have been a failure of a season. It would have been good to make the finals, but to lose to that Bulldogs mob last week would have been um, really heartbreaking. So uh, got over the line there by three points and then play against Richmond, who they beat earlier in the year, but it's going to be a real struggle with um, Paddy Ryder and Jake Carlisle heading back to Victoria, one for an injury, one for a baby. Uh, Tom Lynch coming back in as well, and uh, it's it's tough. Everyone's everyone's written them off, so they've got nothing to lose. Oh, I don't know why you're nervous, mate, because... They're coming, they're coming, peace. You've been telling me this all year, two years now, you've been telling me. I told you, as soon as <laughs> Alan Richardson got the sack, that's when we bought that little soundbite out because uh, Brett Ratton was coming in and uh, the saviour of the club pretty much. First final in nine years and first win. So absolutely fantastic, amazing, good for the podcast. And you said before, if, if our teams weren't in at source, we'd still be watching. Yeah, we'd, still, we'd still be <laughs> loving the footy because... Uh, it doesn't matter what happens. You, you can be upset. I'm still upset from a, a few games. I've got a 90, 97 game that I remember vividly that I'm really upset about. <laughs> 2009, a couple in 2010. So uh, it stays with you. Oh, it def- definitely does stay with you. And you're right, we would be watching the footy anyway. But it it does uh, it makes the week, the build-up to it, a little bit more exciting when your team's in it and the, the possibilities of, of you actually, you know, contending for a premiership and you know especially when your teams you know have that sort of premiership expectation or you know finals expectation it, it does make the week leading up to it that just a little bit more enjoyable because your team's involved in all the media all the footy shows and you've run through seven or eight different scenarios in your head about how you're winning how you're losing what's going right what's going wrong yeah and yeah this time usually you'd play well st kilda especially would play richmond possibly twice a year in most cases. So only seeing them the once this year, uh, different sort of lineups back then, different sort of teams with uh, Richmond winning six on the trot before losing last week to the Brisbane Lions. Uh, Saints been in uh, decent form with that GWS win in the last round and beating the Doggies last week, which probably should have been more than three points. But uh, we did speak about that in our post-finals week one show earlier in the week, Source. So uh yeah, we'll, we'll get into the previews, I guess, for, for these two games. It's a big show. It is a massive show. We are going to go through the previews of the two massive games, as we said, Richmond versus St Kilda and Geelong versus Collingwood. But then we're also going to finish the show with um, another segment, one of the favourites, as we always say, Piers. One of the favourites is hashtag season over, where we review, obviously, the losers from last week, the Western Bulldogs and the West Coast Eagles. But 
We need to get things into it. With the whole reason we're here, the whole build-up for the week, everything comes down to the next two days. The first game is Richmond versus St Kilda. Uh, 7.50 start, Metricon Stadium. The teams were announced last night. Perry, talk us through who the ins and outs are. Well, you've got uh, Jake Arts is omitted, which uh, surprised me a little bit because he's been uh, up and about for the Tigers this year and a, a good inclusion. Marbia Chole omitted. That one was uh, foreseen coming with Tom Lynch coming back and Nathan Broad as well coming back to replace Arts. Uh, Carlisle managed down to Victoria to see the birth of his third child. Ben Long suspended. They tried to uh, overturn that. Didn't uh, come with that. So, you know, Tom Lynch gets away with punching blokes cheaply throughout the year and gets off with fine after fine after fine. And Ben Long's actually going for the footy and accidentally uh, shoulders him. So, you know what? It's a week if it's if it's by the book, by the rules, but it's a final and the, the bloke got up. McRae got up straight away. I mean, we didn't even really discuss this on the on the review show. We were more, you know, the, we were more the recap show. So we were more focusing on the Saints, you know, holding on and winning. But... I actually can't believe that, you know, I, I saw he was going to get sighted. I knew he was going to get the weak initial, but I thought as soon as it went to the tribunal that he would come down. Um, I was talking to my dad about this and, you know, another bloke earlier in the week about the, the bad record that he has that sort of, you know, that puts him out of sort. But the other acts that he'd previously done I thought were reckless and I thought they were out of control. And I thought in this one here... He, he had a lot of control over it. You know, he elected to, he did elect to bump, but it was more of a forced election. He had no choice but to bump. You could see him pull away he and braced, trying to make yeah. sure he was bracing himself. And I thought, how can your bad record go into that when it's a totally different thing? And it's very evident in this bump that he's adjusted his practice. Well, something my brother always says when we're watching Ben Long, he's he's going to get suspended every single year with the way he plays. And he's fierce and ferocious around the, around the footy. And he, the bump could be dead for him in the off-season and they could try and train it out of him. But if they do, I feel like that intensity around the ball will will lose and he'll lose something as a player. So I think you just got to roll with the punches. He got suspended for four weeks earlier against uh, Fremantle when he had a big bump there. So See, but that, that one was great. completely different though because he jumped, he left the floor, he swung his elbows around and I think I'm pretty sure that he actually got cited like two plays earlier for, for a reckless misconduct as well. So I think it was a, a total of four for two charges in the one match. Like, But this time's completely different and I know we're, we're talking about it when we're meant to be previewing but... I was blown away by that, and we didn't properly address it, I think, last week. Oh, we didn't because we both thought, you know what, they're going yeah. to go in the tribunal and it's going to come off, so there's no point mentioning it because it's going to be no news anyway, so we weren't going to waste the listeners' time. But uh, when it when it didn't happen, it, it's there. So it's interesting to hear that from you as a Geelong supporter. I don't want to be biased about it or anything, but I, I feel like I'm, I'm not really biased ever when it comes to uh, things like free kicks, things like suspensions and things like that. So... I think he, he should have got off, should have got a warning or a fine or whatever they, they call it these days, especially with the pre-things that have happened in the year. Yeah, and it'll be really interesting the next couple of weeks, um, especially you know in tonight's game and especially next week, uh, what things are getting cited and what things are not. Because I felt like over the last month or so, the tribunal's been really quiet. There hasn't been any really big incidences. This one here sort of came out of the blue, and as you said, he does have that sort of reputation of playing that wild sort of aggressive football, which you need, which is probably the only reason he, get, he gets a regular game in the squad because of that intensity. It'd be really interesting to see if they build that consistency through the final series. Yeah, quick uh, question without notice you know, relating to that. If that wasn't Ben Long, and that was last week in a loss, and it was Dustin Martin, does he get a week? We, we know the answer here. I think, I think actually anyone in that Richmond squad – that same sort of play, same with the Collingwood squad, same with probably probably your West Coast squad maybe, 
they're all getting off. I think that the, the, the teams that suffer in this would be St. Kilda, obviously the, obviously the Doggies. I think Geelong would suffer. Um, probably also um, someone like, uh, who's the other finals I'm missing? Um, Brisbane. And I think it's definitely in this scenario and the scenarios we're going to see going forward, it's, it's who you are, what impact you play on your team winning and competing for a premiership, and also you know who the AFL want to win. They, they want big teams, big games in there to, to be a big showcase for their Brisbane uh, Brisbane final. Yeah, and I don't want to see a, a players like Dustin Martin no. and uh, Nathan Fife if Fremantle are in the finals miss games for things like that. So you shouldn't see lesser-named players miss games for things like that anyway. But he's not playing tonight, so they're going to have to do without him. Paddy Ryder injured as well, which was a really sad story. We spoke about that in depth in the, in the recap show. Josh Battle comes in. Uh, good inclusion. Jonathan Marsh comes in, a little bit worried about him. And Shane Savage has been the missing... The missing player this year, I thought he should have been getting a regular game, but uh, yeah, he's, he's been missing, but he gets to come in because of Ben Long's suspension, so hopefully he can perform. Yeah, only played the two games this year. Um, he's one of those players that, you know, was a, a walk-up start probably the last couple of years <laughs> for, for most clubs, uh, and but unable to get into the to the lineup, um, and they haven't actually needed him, but when he has been there, he has been effective, and he's one of those things where he's obviously fallen out of favour with the coach, Really great opportunity for him to prove himself and, and, and definitely has something to offer, I think, that St Kilda lineup. That's a thing. So what we're going to do here, we're going to uh, come away with a tip at the end of this and uh, we're going to speak about why you think some of the teams can win, what you think the strengths are, what you think the weaknesses are and which team has the advantage in which section of the ground. Well, I think, you know, we'll start off with the Saints because they're obviously the, the clear underdog in this one. Um, I think the only way the Saints win this is that they, they do two things, that they take they make um, – make sure of their opportunities. Last week against the Doggies, for three quarters, they really made made sure of their opportunities. And the other one is that they dominate those stoppages. Uh, Richmond are so effective off stoppages, and we saw it last week against Brisbane. Almost almost every time they went from a stoppage, they would clear, you know, clear the ball, they would set up an opportunity for goal. St Kilda do struggle in that area, and they need to make sure that they're going to dominate that. And I don't know how they're going to do that without Ruckman. Yeah, well, Rowan Marshall's going to have to ruck uh, about 80% of the time. I don't know who's going to go in, if it's going to be Josh Battle or Jonathan Marsh actually giving him a, a chop out in there. You might even throw Membry in there for a little bit. He's been going around the ground a little bit in the last thing. But I think the intercept marking in that defense is where they really need to go. You, losing Carlisle as that third tall is pretty tough for them. So they've got Dougal Howard, who I think may go to uh, Tom Lynch. You've got J- Jonathan Marsh's name down there. Now, I think it's between Marsh and Battle who will go to Rewalt. Uh, could be wrong. It could be Wilkie as well, but I think Wilkie goes to um, either Dust- Dustin Martin has Wilkie or Geary on him. That's what will happen. And Dustin Martin will try and push into the midfield and he'll have to change uh, opponents and things like that. But I, I think Wilkie might be the best matchup for Martin. And if they can control that uh, across the back line, you don't have to really worry about Rioli and things like that. Could come to bite me. That, But Ben Patton needs to do some intercept marks and things like that. And they need to use the pace. They need Billings and Brad Hill to run with the ball, take risks, and play play through the middle of the ground and, and try and take those marks on the lead. Yeah, they definitely need to stick to the football that they've got him into a 35-point lead into that fourth quarter last week. They need to make sure that they not, – not high risk, high reward, but that, you know, that going at the right time, hitting the first option, and that fast-paced ball movement that really made them exciting to watch, you know, throughout the year, but but especially in that final. Like, um, some of those ball movements – and, you know, I was, I was watching it with, with mum and dad, and it was like everything was going right for them. But it wasn't just because of the lucky bounce. They were setting themselves up. They were putting them in the right spots. They had this sense of belief 
belief, and, and they need to go in with that belief tonight if they're going to make it a decent crack at Richmond. Yeah, Roel Marshall's a big key because in the ruck last week, Paddy Ryder, he would have got the three Brownlow votes, as we said, and we dominated in the clearances due to Paddy Ryder and really curtailed the influence of the Bulldogs midfield for three quarters. So if you can do that to Richmond and you can get the, the hit-outs as they go, I'm not as confident that Roel Marshall can do that yet as a developing ruckman. Uh, he's played a lot up forward as well, so... Hopefully he can, but if they get the ball going forward, you just put your eyes up there. You can just blaze away because you've got Max King down there and that's what they've got to do. Max King takes two or three opponents every single time. If he doesn't mark the ball with his outstanding reach, he'll bring that ball to ground. Yeah, and that's where the that's where the Saints need to capitalise. They need to make sure that, you know, Max King is getting a great exposure to the football and putting in all opportunity for him to be able to score a couple of snags. For me, he needs to be scoring two or three goals for, for you know St Kilda to be in this. But the opportunities that it doesn't actually take the mark, you got those crummers there picking up the ball. Dan Butler, you know, needs to kick a goal against his old squad. Um, and he was, you know, there, there were a range of other sort of out-the-back goals that you got last week through like Loney and Butler and, you know, some of those other little crumbing sort of players – that you need to capitalise on. Every time it goes forward for you, you can't waste opportunities because we saw last week with uh, Brisbane, every time Richmond go forward, they score. And and if you, you, you're not going to stop them scoring in, in you know, in, in such big um, consistency, but you need to make sure that you're keeping up with them and you're scoring every time you go forward. Yeah, they've got to, exactly. You've got to take your opportunities. It's a final. You've got to kick straight. You've got to do all these things. You've got to do them right because if Richmond do get a run along there, that kind of team that will get that three, four goal lead, and then they'll just hold it up. They won't go as fast. They'll they'll defend really well and and you won't have a chance of coming back. So Dean Kent's really important up there. He needs to uh, put a lot of pressure on. You've got Sinclair through the middle of the ground as well who will need to, to play a big game. Caulfield, Patton with the intercept marks. Uh, Dan Hannabury, absolutely outstanding game last week. He doesn't play too much percentage of game time on the ground because he's always off with a bung <laughs> shoulder or something. But when he's on the ground... He is super important player. He's got finals experience. He makes the smart kick. He gets the ball. He, he's, a, he's a tough uh, padre and just love watching him play. Yeah, most definitely. All right, on the counter, we're, we're about to talk about Richmond, how Richmond can. Richmond don't really need to do much except for put out their full squad, basically. They really missed uh, Lynch last week, and they missed the game plan that they have of when Lynch is there, that that marking forward. You know, they only took five marks in their forward 50 in, in the first half, which is incredible. Like, it's it's something that, you know, is un-Richmond-like. They need to make sure that their big players stand up in moments. Last week, we, we talked about, you know, um, Prestia and Martin going missing in that last quarter. But realistically, to me, it all comes down to that forward line and, you know, letting loose um, Rewalt and, um, you know, giving Lynch first delivery at the ball, great delivery, and just letting the man do his job and kick goals. Yeah, well, both of those players play better with each other in the side because they get more opportunity and better opportunity because we saw last week Rewalt wasn't able to have a massive influence. He kicked two goals too. Uh, but they were able to cover him off a lot more because they didn't have to focus on another big forward in in Tom Lynch. I think you talk about their forward line there. I think the the smaller forwards are pretty important with uh, Castagna uh, and Rioli to pop up and kick a few goals. You got Pickett and probably Bolton running from the wing as well, who can get a couple of shots on goal. Because I think St Kilda will be focused on the twin towers up there, the the Lynch and Rewalt. But the other strength of Richmond, well, they've got a lot of strengths. So <laughs> yeah. You look in the midfield. Where do you want to start? <laughs> but I'm starting at the back line because you look at that back line, you've got Dylan Grimes, amazing defender, Bolter, who's made a name for himself this year, Asprey as well, and then you've got Vloston as like a fourth defender. So if you're going to play against a, a big side like St Kilda in the forward line, 
They've, they've got the defenders to do that. They've got Baker who runs off and Hawley who runs off and is very, very damaging as well. And they've got other players that can run back and, you know, kind of help out with broad and short when they need to get the ball out of there. So they they can uh, they can double team, they can triple team uh, Max King at some points. And if he doesn't get a run at the ball and they can stop that, they pretty much stop St Kilda. Yeah, and we definitely saw that last week, what they were trying to do by sticking, you know, grime, you know free up Grimes behind the ball to sort of anchor that down. Uh, anchor that up the field, and that definitely will happen again. You know, t- tonight if if King does get you know triple triple teamed or whatever sort of things, um, St Kilda will um, you know they'll have their opportunities. But you know, they Richmond want to bring the ball forward from their back line. They they're so effective on that counter attack. They make you pay off the turnovers, but they also are really great at setting the ball up from that defensive line, almost to the point where it doesn't even matter if you know Richmond win the clearance or not because. You know if they get a stop, they're coming back with a structured attack. And as we just spoke about, those twin towers, so damaging. But then if the ball does go to, to the ground or it comes through the middle of the ground, there's so many different ways they can they can hit you. You know, you've got those long kicks. You know, you've got Dusty Martin streaming forward, who's an amazing kick on the run. You know, Prestia, you've talked about Bolton, you know, Rioli and... Um, uh, Marlon Pickett, they're also quite, you know, good at pings. Castagna's definitely going to pop up for a goal. He always seems to pop up for one. Yeah, he'll, he'll be always. left alone at some always. stage in the always. inside the forward 50, take a uncontested chest mark and go back and slot it. But um, hopefully that doesn't happen. But you, you do mention the ball coming to ground, and I think that's the biggest thing. St Kilda do need to set up around their forward line to really attack that footy when it comes in at full pace. Dan Butler's got done it a couple of times this year and then just get that easy goal. Now, St Kilda have been really good at kicking goals from zero to 20 metres out this year. Uh, Richmond are going to need to stop that. So... Last time they played against each other, Source, it was a St Kilda 26-point win as well, which uh, I wouldn't read too much into it, but St Kilda did have get the chocolates that day. So what do you tip? what's your tip for the tonight then? Go the Saints, we'll win by five. Five-plus goals, what do you reckon? <laughs> five-plus goals. <laughs> um, I actually don't mind the Saints. Uh, I've spoken to, to you know you throughout the week about this one. I, I think the Saints, if you had a full squad, I'd be definitely backing you in to win. I think you're being ext- you'll be extremely competitive. We did see some things, and we have seen some things building for Richmond, which are really unrichmond like. I think the Tigers get it done. I'm, I'm under 15 points, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if um, St Kilda take into a big lead fourth quarter and unfortunately let it slip away. Um, if they go in with a big lead on tonight, St Kilda into that fourth quarter, uh, it is not dead, and I wouldn't be surprised if they get overrun by the Tigers, which uh, if they do, it would be extremely hard to beat going forward. But Tigers by about, mm, let's go 10. Let's go 10. Yeah, well, ten points that gives us a gives us a chance if you're correct there, source. So St Kilda do need a fast start. They do need to kick straight, and they need to take all of their chances they can get because <laughs> this Richmond side is a dynasty, and they've won two out of the last three flags. Uh, and to play them in this semi final, I would have pre- preferred to be playing Brisbane at the Gabba actually than than playing this Richmond side. But hopefully, there's a little bit of internal turmoil that hasn't come out yet. Uh, there's been a few things that have come out, but Richmond just seem to you know get over the top of it every single time. So hopefully. Something's blowing up in there and they just something happens and St Kilda can, you know, sneak across the line. Yeah, most definitely. All right. Have you, have you eased your nerves now, Pez? Have we done enough St Kilda talking? Are we allowed to move on to something a bit more uh, important? Oh, I feel like I gave <laughs> Richmond a pump up more than, more than my Saints in that preview, but uh, you just got to read it as you see it. Yeah, most definitely. All right, we get into the next matchup, Pez. Uh, as we said, the Saturday night game, 7.50 start. Geelong taking on Collingwood. Um, Geelong coming off a disappointing loss last week where they uh, could have won the game easily through kicking uh, straight and Collingwood kicking amazingly straight uh, and really surprising a lot of people and knocking off the uh, West Coast Eagles. 
Yeah, a lot of talk throughout the week with uh, Collingwood's uh, Twitter getting involved with different people online and and giving it to them because they wrote them off and everything like that. So uh, Collingwood, I think, lucky to get away with it last week with the eight goals straight from set shots and uh, West Coast unlucky. But we don't need to talk about West Coast anymore until our season over segment because uh, they're out of it and they've uh, cost themselves when they're pretty much in their prime ready to go. So... Not good for them. Good for Collingwood because you get a chance to play against Geelong, and when it's Geelong versus Collingwood, it's it's not already decided. So Geelong are the favourites, but I think Collingwood are going to really try and pump themselves up for this one, uh, and it's going to be a cracking game at the Gabba. Yeah, most definitely. All right, let, let's start off with Geelong. So how how did Geelong win it, Piers? What what did Geelong need to do in order to to win this game? Do you have any information on any uh, any players missing or any any changes that are coming up because the teams aren't out yet. The teams aren't out yet. You are correct. Um, there has been a lot of lot of news, obviously, in the uh, media this week about Joel Selwood coming off that uh, finger injury. He had one uh, surgery on Monday. He has been running around, um, but Dangerfield pretty much summed it up. And we all—I don't even need to mention whether he's playing or not. But he's—he's he's, Dangerfield came out with a quote: "Unless his leg was cut off, I reckon he'll be out there." He's been doing around light training this week, running around. Um, the All Australian captain said that he's going to back him into play. And Joel Selwood, we all knew that he was playing, so I don't even know why I'm ter- carrying on about it. <laughs> uh, Jack Stephen, probably not going to get a call-up um, because he did do his hamstring earlier in the week, uh, last week. So he will be ruled out for the prelim final. Um, you know, should should we get... going to make the prelim? No, well, he should be... If, if the results go the right way, if you oh. let me finish, mate. Yep, yep. Uh, for Collingwood, uh, so for Geelong, I don't think realistically the team goes in unchanged. The only change they might make is in the ruck, whether they go with Reece Stanley for another week or they bring in uh, Radagalia. I think Ratatouille. They, I think that they should <laughs> stick with um, – I think they definitely should stick with Stanley, but uh, who knows with Chris Scott's selection. He possibly will go in there with no ruckman. Oh, uh, St- Stanley had a couple of goals last week and uh, pushed forward, so I think Stanley will get the nod over Radagalia, even though you would have liked to see Radagalia in that side last week. It would have been good for for a marking presence uh, outside of just the isolated Hawkins, but um, I don't think that's what we need this week. I would keep the side. I was pretty happy with the side last week. I thought the side was was well picked. They had you know that nice mix of young talent versus experience in there. They picked people on what the team what we needed, not just on experience and name, which which is a long time coming for for Geelong fans. So I think that the team will go in pretty much unchanged. It may be a late change, you know, if Selwood doesn't get up. Um, but uh, there's, as we've said, he's definitely getting up for that game. He's definitely playing. And, and Collingwood, any news on, on them? So the big question, I guess, for, for Collingwood is, is about their, their, their ruck situation. So last week, um, you know, the, the media said that, you know, Darcy Cameron was in the side helping out Brody Grundy. But he basically took over in that second, in that second half and, and probably kept him, you know, in the game. And a big reason why they actually... Um, you know, why they actually won the game uh, in the ruck. So it'll be interesting to see whether they go with two ruckmen. I, I would definitely be going with two ruckmen and push Brody Grundy back uh, back out the back, help out on that defence, those intercept marks, which he seems to get involved in. Uh, and then the other person is Tom Phillips, whether he makes the, the return or not. He trained uh, about a week and a half ago, you know, starting to get some match fitness into him, but hasn't really had any proper in-game experience. You'd be taking him quite underdone if you do take him in for, for a do-or-die final. Yeah, so uh, interesting, interesting to see when the teams do come out uh, later this afternoon, early evening. So uh, we talk about the Cats and the, the main question, the big question this week is uh, Tom Hawkins and if he's going to kick goals. We've spoken about him in finals lately not having a big impact on the scoreboard uh, and 
We talked about tall forwards not always having a big impact on the scoreboard. So I think for them to win, Hawkins does need to kick a couple of goals, but he does need to get involved in the offense. So even if he doesn't kick goals, he's usually involved in goal assists and things like that. So Hawkins needs to have a big one. Yeah, and, and that was definitely scrutinized in the, in the media this week about uh, Tom Hawkins' impact. It's not just goal kicking for him. He is, you know, I'm reading an article earlier in the week, they call it Hawkins Island. Because it is so, the whole offense is so Hawkins structured. Whether he plays up the ground and gets that sort of that start off mark, and then you know, kicks it to, to the switch, and then he goes around and set up his whole structure. Whether he's giving off those goal assists, or whether he's leading to that favoured pocket of his and snagging a couple of goals, he needs to have a big game. Uh, which which I'm pretty confident that he can have a big game. I think last week against um, the, the the West Coast Eagles, the the Pies were really celebrated for how well they scored, but I think it was really put to to rest how poorly they defended. You know, they had two players kick three goals. They had, you know, um, Oscar Allen kick two goals. They had lots of goal kickers kick, you know, big targets, kick goals. For me, Tom Hawkins will actually have a field day. So he just needs to make sure that he kicks those goals and actually, you know, puts them on the scoreboard. He needs to have two or three goals and probably two or three goal assists if Geelong want to be in this game. Interesting that he's been kept goalless three times this year. One was last week. One was against Collingwood earlier in the year. So when Collingwood did win by 22 points. Yeah, it, you know, and the one thing that you got you got to like about Hawkins is he doesn't seem you don't see that visually frustration in him. You know, you definitely see some nerves when he comes up and kicks those goals, but last week he didn't, you know, he didn't really reflect on it like he was costing the, the team the game. Like he probably definitely went through his, his mind, but he doesn't have that visual, you know, that aggression and that, you know, that that sort of I'm costing and I should be kicking these goals, that frustration that you see like Lynch and and Rewald and even Mason Cox last week when he started falling out of favor in the game. Yeah, I think Hawkins, it would be eating him alive this week. I think the competitor that he is, he would have thought, you know, I'm putting that all on my back, that loss. So he's putting more pressure on himself this week. When he gets that first shot at goal, interesting to see how he goes about it. And if he's got that uh, little curve kick that he usually does with the drop punt that goes straight through the middle and get his confidence up and raring to go to kick a bag. But uh, another big-time finals performer, you've got Gary Ablett there at the club. And even though he's at the age of end of his career where he's in retirement, he has in the past month, kicked a couple of massive goals from outside 50. So if he can he can get within range, he's, he's going to have a ping and he does some really special things in finals. Yeah, most definitely. Um, we speak a lot about Hawkins, like it's the only the only reason we're going to be successful there. Um, you're right. The other forwards need to to shine as well. I mean, Gary Rowan last week and Gary Ablett, both Garys, were were non-existent in that forward line. Grime Myers, he, you know, he had an absolute shocker last week, still getting a lot of the pill, but he couldn't hit targets and, and he didn't give himself a lot of opportunity um, in that forward line. And that's the main thing that we're going to, in order for Geelong to win, they need to give themselves and they need to dominate that clearance game and they need to give themselves multiple exposures at the, at the forward. 50. We defended Port Adelaide quite well last week. I think any other team playing Port Adelaide last week gets opened up, absolutely dominated, but they can't just kick the ball away and defend. They need to set up their structures, which has been successful this year. They need to give themselves multiple entry points into that forward line. And if Hawkins isn't on, set up another way and set up another scoring opportunity and give someone else an opportunity to score. I think the thing, if, if Hawkins isn't on, the thing that Chris Scott has to do Oh, Put Dangerfield up forward. But do it do it do it in the second or third quarter. We Don't said the wait same until thing the last fourth week. quarter. We said the same thing last week. But Hawkins was getting the opportunities throughout the night. Uh, but Dangerfield is a very dangerous forward. The all Australian captain, as you said, this year and uh if you put him up forward, I don't know how Collingwood's going to defend that if you can get the ball into him. So the other players that have a bit of pressure on them, Mitch Duncan, Sam Menegola, massive years from them uh on the wing. 
and Guthrie in that midfield needs to win some clearances. Yeah, they, they definitely had a quiet week last week. But but again, I'm, you know, I'm not giving excuses, but I think Port Adelaide really dominated that clearance game and they set up that defensive wall, that just which meant every time they got the ball, they were just blazing away along. It's all about structure. It's about winning that first clearance. And you, you need to really make sure that we're getting clearances and applying pressure because we know that Collingwood are probably going to get first look at the pill. We know Collingwood like to give away a lot of the pill. They need, you know, the other teams that are playing against them are averaging 295 possessions a week. So, like, you know, we need to be hitting that 300 mark. Control the footy, control the game. And as we've said, give yourself opportunity to score and score. Yeah. It sounds, sim- it sounds simple, but that that's the reason that Geelong has struggled in finals, inaccuracy in front of goal, and, and they need to capitalise on opportunities. Yep. And their defence needs to stand up like they have. Um, Harry Taylor down there needs to, to take care of who's he going to play on Cox, Meyer, check one of them and and really get them out of the game. You've got you've got a big advantage along because Mason Cox is in the other side. So he's not going to have a big influence on the game. And I don't care what anyone says. Yes, he kicked five goals against Richmond. He had a massive influence in that prelim final. He had a big influence for a couple of minutes last week and kicked three goals and probably ended up getting him over the line. But he's too arrogant. He doesn't bring the ball to ground enough. They can't target him every single time because he's just not... A good footy player. Yeah, and I think it's a good matchup for Geelong, their forward line. I think, we, you know, like Jordan Ngoi, um, you know, matches up on Blitzars really well. So as long as we're not look, using Blitzars in the ruck as a back, backup ruckman, you know, then that that's fine. I think that, you know, Harry Taylor and Jack Henry in the, in the back line, they really contain Cox. I think, our, you know, our defence is an amazing back line. It is a strong defence that, you know, and there's a reason that we do limit teams to, you know, to opportunities. I don't see... Cox going nuts like he, he did. You know, he had three great minutes, which is great. You know, most blokes over the age of 30 be loving three great minutes, uh, you know. Um, but <laughs> I just think that he doesn't get those same opportunities. Geelong are more aware of him. They're going to f- actually plan for him now. Whereas I think last week, West Coast wouldn't have planned for him. No one would have planned for Cox. You can't plan for Cox ever. So um, I don't know why you would. And that's what um, caught Richmond off guard that night. I don't know how they didn't... Uh uh, Justin. See, but the teams are aware of it now. They know that he can break open a game. They know they go to him early, and I think that you look, you're comparing oranges and apples here in terms of the the, the defenses. West Coast. There's a reason that they didn't finish in the top four. Not just winning a not winning away games, but they just didn't have that consistency in their defense as well as their offense. Yeah. So, uh, Rodney Mycheck as well. He kicked a couple of miracle goals last week, and. Uh, He's, he's sometimes dangerous to pop up with a few goals. I'm not sure how he's going to final. Dugowie, he's a big game player, though. They, I did say, say earlier they beat Geelong earlier in the year by 22 points. That's, that is the game Dugowie kicked five goals. So um, you go from there. It's, uh, it's a tough matchup for anyone. A massive, massive matchup. Um, you know, and I think the Cats will win. But uh, it's going to be hard. I don't know how you did it with the Richmond, but we're going to have to talk about how Collingwood can beat Geelong and what they can do, how they can win this game. Yeah, I, I don't rate their forward line a lot. I think you've got um, – I think Elliot might have to play a little bit more time in the forward line to give them another avenue to goal with him and Dugowie up there. I don't think it's going to come from the, their twin towers in Cox and Mayacek. I think they've got a, got a bit of run in the back line. So Maynard, Quaynor, I like the way Quaynor has been playing. He's pretty confident. And Dacos on the wing is – actually is one of my favourite players to watch this year, not just because of his name, but uh, I would love him and anyone would love him at their club if you see how skillful this bloke is and he gets in the right spots and a uh, really good one to watch. Some of their weaknesses, probably uh, Jaden Stevenson, who's been struggling but still getting a game in there. Uh, Chris played a really good game last week and I think Madgen in the back line is, is another one of their weaknesses that they could uh, take advantage of the Cats. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, it's really obvious what the Magpies need to do. Every, every big final that they've won where they've been an underdog, they get out to that quick start. 
They need to get that quick start. They need to control the ball. You know, your, your likes of, you know, Pendlebury and uh, Taylor Adams and Crisp and, you know, as you said, that X factor in Dacos. And, and if Dacos had been playing that form since round one, he'd be in All-Australian all contention. So they need to make sure that they are get off to a quick start. They're going to get first look at the footy from from that ruck stock. Brody Grundy needs to needs to be a lot more involved um, than needs he was last one. week. He needs, needs he one. needs to have a big one. Um, and then realistically, if they can put themselves in a position to score, whilst the we just spoke about how good Geelong's backline is, we know that they can score. We know last time they played Geelong, Dugowie got five goals out the back. It, it, and that's where they're going to get their goals from. Not from the marking forwards. It's going to be out the back. Those Those smaller players... Need to get a hold of it, and the, you know, likes of Varco and you know Daycost even, and you know those other smaller players need to get there and and, and get their goals. Yeah, well, uh, it's it's something that has to happen because I don't think they're going to get much from Cox and Mycheck, even though they have kicked goals for them in this season. I don't think they can just bomb it from the wing up to that defence for Geelong. I think Geelong could get on top with that. Interesting to see how Geelong do use Tui uh, if it's a little bit up forward, a little bit in the back line. Um, and because he's a really good kick around the ground. So that's really important as well. But if they can kick some goals from the boundary line, which I think Geelong will force Collingwood to take goals from, and they can kick accurately from there, they, they'll give themselves every chance to win. And it's the same down the other end. Geelong, they have to try and get the, the goals, not from the boundary line t- this week. They've got to try and get better goals on slighter angles uh, between 30 and 40 metres out, ideally. And uh, Tom Hawkins can kick straight, kick two or three. They should they should uh, win the game. And I'm tipping the Cats by about three goals. Yeah, um, it, it, it's a tough one because it, it is all dependent on you've got a team that plays well when they, they start well and you've got a team like Geelong that never start well in finals and don't seem to perform. So I think the game in the first quarter will really dictate the rest of the game. Um, but hopefully Geelong can get out to that start and do the things that they've we've spoken about today in order for them to be successful. Um, I think they have the better list. They're having the better year. They've got a lot more pressure on there. I think there's too many big players there that are not going to be, um, not going to accept a, a second round exit from how good their season was. Probably having, you know, being the most, one of the most informed teams midway through that season, a premiership favourite. I think the Cats get it done. Um, but I think, <sighs> let's go four goals. I'll go, I'll go by 24, mate. Oh, there we go. A bit of confidence. Uh, yeah, a lot of pressure on Chris Scott. He has tried to uh, deflect it as much as he can, but uh, a straight sets exit would be disastrous for this club. Well, everyone thought they were going straight sets last year as well, Source, if you remember, and they lost that first final and then... Uh, they beat Sydney the week after. Beat Sydney the week after pretty comfortably. So um, they, they did bounce back then. They have been struggling in finals as a record overall, but in these bounce back games, they they do need to, to come out and do it, and I think they can. Yeah, you're right. We do struggle in those things, and the finals record isn't great. But I mean, there's still a reason that we finished top four, and I think that they need to go back to that stuff that made them finish top four. The brand of footy of containing the ball is different to the way we've played every played every other year. It's a style that works in finals, getting holding you know holding onto that ball and defending that ball going forward. It's a style that works. We're a different Geelong team. Yes, we we, we lost against Port Adelaide. We lost against the top team. Win this game like you're meant to. Give us all every opportunity next week to, to beat Brisbane. Yep, and get, get you into a prelim. So it's massive stakes on the line. It's uh, one and done. This is just one game. You've got you've got to win it to go. And uh, we're looking forward to it. What we'll be doing, there's, there's our preview for both of the games and this is our preview show. So if, if you do want to see what we've got for the cheeky punt, that's going to be another show coming up as well. So we're going to record that one separately and we will get into our final segment. So for the supporters that are out, so the Doggies <laughs> and the West Coast Eagles, 
stick around and everyone else stick around because I think we're going to give them a bit of stick, but we're going into season over. So we did speak about it. St Kilda were the winners last week <laughs> and that means the dogs are out. And the, uh, the fans of the show would know, Sauce, that you don't really like the doggies. So I don't know if the doggy supporters will be looking forward to your hashtag here. But we're giving the team, this is season over, we're giving them a hashtag because their season is over and talking a little bit, little bit about where they need to go to next. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a big fan of the dogs. Um, let's let's be honest about that. But I'm, I know that all the fans listening who are doggy supporters, if they're real AFL supporters and they do support their club honestly and openly, then they're going to agree with exactly what I'm saying here. My hashtag for them is laughable dog. Because this season and since they won their premiership, it has been laughable. And then they need to adjust their mindsets if they want to be contending for a premiership. Since they won their premiership, they finished 10th, 13th, 7th with a 50-point loss. And 7th again this year with a, you know, an early exit. So what are the, you know, they finished 7th. It's not good enough. They need to be in finals, not just to make up numbers. And they just seem okay with doing that. They need to really adjust it. And, they, and I think it's been the... You know, the, a lot of the games early in the year they lost, they were fine with because it's always like, oh, we'll make a run at the end of the year. No, they need to put themselves in a winning position earlier in the year and have that locked up, you know, with, with a couple of rounds to go and that's when they can be successful because their list is – they've got a good young list. Well, we spoke about that last week about having to finish in the top four to, to give themselves a real hope. And the reason they were favourites last week, I think a big part of it was because they did win the premiership from seventh uh, where they played that month of – Amazing football that they did play in 2016 and came away with a uh, miraculous premiership. But um, I've got a bit of a hashtag as well, and uh, I think you might like this one. It's hashtag Bruce Almighty <laughs> because uh, he, he was mighty this year, Bruce. He, he kicked the first goal of the game in that final. He pulled, tugged the jumper and said, hey, look, how good is this to be a Bulldog? And then uh, walked off and had an early exit so he can uh, go and do his end-of-season trip and things like that and and go on and enjoy. So thanks for pulling the jumper, Bruce, but uh, St Kilda is still playing and, and they're not. And I don't think he was the greatest recruit because he was recruited at the in the off-season and he was recruited as their saviour, as their forward saviour. And a lot of experts tipped them to win the premiership and finish top four, which was ludicrous. And going into the game, so regular season, 17 games for Bruce, kicked 13 goals. Six of them came in one game. So that shows you what impact he had and what season he had. He hardly touched the footy. He he did not do a lot for the Bulldogs, and I think they do need to start looking elsewhere. Uh, I don't know why we didn't see Shaki uh, a little bit more. Uh, if you're going to you know try him in defence or try him up forward, I don't think uh, Josh Bruce is the answer. I think he's a, a player that can kick, kick your bag of five or six in games where they win by five or six goals or lose by five or six goals, but he's not that type of player that can come in and uh, really take over a final. So he's not – if you want to win a premiership, he's not He's not the one for that. Yeah, I, I knew you'd make it somehow about St Kilda, but you are correct. He had an absolute, you know, a, a hope – not a hopeless season, but it was, it was not what your recruit wants. And from this list that you look at, if you look at the Western Bulldogs list – They've got a lot of talent. Like you run through these names, some of these players already premiership players. They need to be do more, and there needs to be some more accountability from their senior players. Like we've heard about Marcus Bontempelli for the last couple of years about how you know he came out in that 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 premiership season and was an absolute gun, 
absolute amazing champion. He needs to take that next step. And it's the same with these other players like Jack McRae, Bailey Smith, Bontempelli. Caleb Daniel probably took a massive leap this year, but that's what the rest of the rest of the teams need to do. You know, him and Libba probably they're the only ones that probably have taken that next step. Bailey Williams, you know, Johannesson, Lockie Hunter, between English and Dunkley, they need to take that next step, and they're just not doing that. And they they, they are beating the teams that they need to beat, but they're not they're not being competitive against top teams. And I think a reason for that is is their ruck. I think everyone's seen Tim English as a as an amazing ruckman in the future, but he's not there yet. And he's, he's okay around the ground in some cases. He got dominated last week in the hitouts and around the ground. And I think uh, he needs some support in there. So they need to recruit, uh, recruit that mature age type ruckman player to, to help out that midfield because their midfield's decent. Um, and I think like, watching it last week as a St. Kilda supporter, I was happy when the ball was in Bontempelli's hands because him kicking forward, the only thing he can do is kick a 50-metre drop punt up down the line, he, he can't. He doesn't really try and pinpoint targets, and doesn't isn't as damaging as a Dustin Martin type or a Nathan Five type. So he does need to go to the next level and improve. One player I was really uh, happy with this year for the Bulldogs was Mitch Wallace going forward. Yeah, I think as a as a third rung forward, he's okay. He, he ended up being their first target though, so you can't five goals for the year. You can't you can't do that. He can't be kicking your most goals for the year. He's no. got to be that third type target. So you need someone up there to stand up. I think Norton's got that um, ability to do that. I think he was a bit hesitant last week with that helmet on his head in the first three quarters. He showed what he can do in the fourth. And he's just he's still a young young player, about 20 years old. So he will get better. He's one of their forwards. They just need that second forward as well with Mitch Wallace as that third forward. And they'll have a pretty good forward line too. Yeah, like they've got some, some decent names coming through the, the academy and they, there's a couple of big forwards that are coming through for the Western Bulldogs. But you're right, they, they need to make sure that the players are playing up to that potential. Like, he's your third forward, so that's what that's what he needs to be doing. 25 goals from a third forward is amazing, but it means you need to have other blokes kicking 40 and 30 goals. And that's where they struggle. As I said, they have not taken that next step. They need to take that next step. And a lot of people, like myself, I, I, I rated the list. Because you look at those names and you're like, they're a good list. They had two, two All-Australians. They had three nominated for, for the year. And they go out like that, like that's ridiculous. Yeah. And they just need to, they need to be better next year. They need to. I would be saying they need to finish top four, top four next season. Or you really need to look at that list and be like, what are we doing? Yeah. You you did speak about um, who did you speak about Liberatore and Daniels D- Daniel for taking a, a massive step forward, but Bailey Smith as well as that second oh, year player. Yep. He, he's amazing. He but missed he, he missed two goals last week, and you know if he, he converts them, it's a different story. But uh, he he would be he should be highly sought after by every other club as well. Hundred percent, I man. And you know, I I didn't include him in those people that took the next step because he's a second year player. He's meant to do that, mm. and you know, probably not at this this leaps and bounds. If you looked at you know, if you're doing your most improved award, second year players don't get involved in it. But he was pivotal for them, and that's what I'm saying. You have someone like him playing the season like he did with all that other talent, those four or five year talent in there. They're hitting their prime of their career. We can't just keep living on expectation and potential which they seem to have because they won they snuck that premiership in the first year and as i've said in the long run i think it actually hurts the western bulldogs of being a successful club you know building a dynasty yes they got a premiership and yes that, that it's great to have a premiership and people that haven't got a premiership are like well who cares what we've, we've bottomed out for the next 10 years but you need to build a successful club through successful culture and those players that leadership group they need to take the next step because they are in the prime of their careers
Yeah, and as a St Kilda supporter, I would take a premiership and then finish on the bottom of the ladder for the next 10 years. So doggy supporters are probably pretty happy with that. But it is time now. It's 2021 coming into. You've got to start to try and get back up there. You, you're in the competition for a reason. You've, you've got to try and win every year you are in it. So doggies, season's over. You are done. Hashtags are there and uh, we move on to the next side. Yep, we, we uh, get on to the West Coast Eagles. Now, they had a very up and down season. They were the only team that really seemed to sook the whole season about uh, living in the harbour. It didn't work for them, then we know. Almost every single media person had them finishing top four. And I'm pretty sure you and I, Perry, both had uh, them finishing either in the grand final or winning the premiership in some cases. We talk about the, the West Coast Eagles and really disappointing for them. Um, definitely a massive um, road... I guess I guess a roadblock in a premiership window that, that's definitely starting to close. Yeah, um, they've got a couple of players there of age. Josh Kennedy, one of their most important players, uh, getting up there in age. But they they do have some some decent players on their list, and they should have gone a lot a lot better this year. They they finished where they wanted to, well, not really where they wanted to, but they finished with a home final with teams. They didn't have Elliot Yo, who's a massive part of that midfield. Uh, they were missing a few key pieces. Cali didn't have the season they they hoped for. He he showed glimpses of uh, really good form, but in that final he got he just got shut out. So he got shut out by uh, Greenwood, who who tagged him out of the game. So that can't happen to you to best line players. And if it does, other players need to stand up and and do something. So inaccuracy cost them in the end. Uh, finishing fifth, not getting a double chance. That, this is what happens. So you're inaccurate for one game and you're out. So my hashtag for these West Coast Eagles source is hashtag COVID hub kryptonite because uh, it, it seemed to get them. And from the start of the season, we heard all about it. I had belief that they would come back and get into form and they did when they went home. But you're a professional footy club. You, yes, it's hard being away from your family, of course. And we understand the sacrifice that the players, the coaches, the umpires, everyone in the AFL system is making to make this competition happen. But the reason they're doing it as well is because they need – to live and it's their job and that's what they need to do if my job had to pick up and i had to go interstate for six months to do it and to get paid and i couldn't get another job somewhere else really quickly i would have to do that to be able to to support myself so um you you do have to do these things sometimes and it's it's really hard but you're there you're playing footy obviously doing something that you're passionate about and to lose all those games earlier in the year up on the Gold Coast and at the Gabba was just really, really bad. So the COVID hub kryptonite, I think, fits pretty well. Yeah, most definitely. And um, we're glad you've gone with that one because I've gone something almost uh, very similar, uh, but a little bit of a double meeting. I've gone hashtag quarantine illegal, right? And the illegal is with the eagle in there just for the, just <laughs> so I can get my pun going. But what I'm saying is that this quarantine business of only being able to win at home needs to stop. It needs to exit their culture. This is something West Coast has had a bit of a problem for for a couple of years, and this is the perfect example of why it's important to be able to beat teams outside of Perth. Yes, it is It is great to have a, a home advantage like Perth, and, and you know what? Yes, make that a fortress. But you cannot, and this has been the West Coast Eagles problem for a long time, they're like, we're just, we're just going to win all our games in Perth and not worry about the other ones. But they, they need to start to really develop that and they need to get that out of their culture because it's, what, 10, 15 years now we're still talking about. They only need to win uh, one, one game in Melbourne for the year. Yeah, and they did it in 2018 where they, they came to the MCG and they won a few games at the MCG and performed well against sides like Richmond, sides like Collingwood. So uh, they were able to do it then. But you've got to worry about it at the start of the season and 
bank a couple of wins outside of your own state because that'll guarantee you a top four. If they just won one more game, two more games, it's it's an easy top four finish. And then if they lost last week, they're playing this week. They're playing against Geelong away or in where would they play at the uh, Gabba? The Gabba, I guess, which, yeah. which, which would be a pretty good shot in a normal season. Like their list stacks up really well against our list, and, and they beat us early in the year. And they would have to go in with a better list. I would say probably not a, a better list, but a, a list that could definitely compete. And they were they were unlucky last week. They went in almost full strength against Collingwood, and Collingwood could miss. <laughs> and Collingwood, you know, only pipped them by a point. And you know, realistically, they're probably the most unlucky football team to exit in the first round because because. Collingwood did play out of their skins. They had they had three players kick multiple goals. You don't say that in a losing side for a losing final. But no. in saying that, they let too many games go earlier in the year that stopped them from getting a top four squad. They lost to Gold Coast. They lost to Sydney. Like they lost against teams that are no good. Yeah. Like Gold Coast at the start of the year weren't any good when they lost that game. They, they were no good. Like and then they you know they they did develop into a, a team that finished tenth. They got pounded but, that game as well. But right? they got absolutely pounded. They lost to Fremantle. They lost to Fremantle. Are you kidding me? Like that's that's not on. And they did go on a, a six game winning streak at Optus Stadium or SBS Stadium as we know it, and did you know resurrect their season. But that that mentality, there's no need to revert back to it because then the point we're making. Yes, they they lost the final and that's fine because you can do it and you can have bad happens, accuracy. Happens. It happens. But if they were top four. It couldn't have happened because they would guarantee themselves at least the second week of finals. And that game that they lost to the Bulldogs by two points with that uh, controversial score review, <laughs> that, that's cost them in the end as well, a top four. But that's not the only thing that's cost them. You mentioned the other games against Fremantle, against Sydney, against Gold Coast. You've, you've got to be able to beat the crap teams in the competition. Yeah. If, you, if you lose to a couple of them, you pretty much say you can't make top four in the end. They, and they, they still nearly did. They, they finished equal top four. So any, one of those wins, they finish fourth. They take on Port Adelaide next this week. They, you know, let's say that they lose that. They're playing Collingwood at, at Perth, so it probably ends in the same result for them anyway. But it, you know, but I mean, it gives them an opportunity to to be there at that double chance. And their list is good. Their list is really good. Their list got stronger. Yes, they did have a lot of injuries this year. They they had multiple injuries to you know Shuey, McGovern, Redden, you know Elliot Yo, as we said, he was having an unbelievable season in there. And there's other players that are affected by those by those injuries most definitely. Like you know we talk about Kelly. Kelly goes quiet when there isn't a, a more elite midfield around him. But uh, well, I guess what I'm saying is that those other players need to step up. They've got enough talent from from you know the, their worst six players to their top six players to be able to cover that, and they should be beating some of these teams along the way. Yeah, so their their big focus next year, depending on what footy looks like, if it's if it's back to normal or still in this uh, hub type form, they do need to beat the teams that aren't in the top eight. They need to annihilate all of them. They need to just make it a non-issue at the end of the year. They don't want to go down to, all right, we have to win the last four games to make the top four. You don't want to be in a position like that when you've got a list like that. You've got Nick Natnui, the All-Australian Ruckman, the best Ruckman in the competition, one of the best midfields in the competition, two, three forwards in um, Kennedy, Darling and Ryan, amazing forward line. Barras down back, McGovern, the best intercept marker in the game. They've got the team to win the premiership. They, they've wasted a year. Most definitely waste a year. And realistically, if they'd gone in with that right mentality, and I know we're harping on about this this hub, if they'd gone in with the right mentality, they could have easily sewed up the rest of the season and, and you know, in SBS. They wouldn't have had to leave Perth until the last week. Yep. If they had set that up, they could have been where they're comfortable. They would have had 
facing teams off quarantines and coming out of it, it's the perfect situation for them. They really missed an opportunity here. Uh, if we're talking about positives for the year, you spoke about it right then and there. Um, massive year from Darling. Darling had an absolute massive year when Kennedy sort of was a little bit injury-ridden and, and had some inaccuracy in front of goal. Liam Ryan, absolutely amazing. He's going to be a superstar. They need to make sure they lock him down, which I don't, I don't think he's going anywhere, but they need <laughs> to lock him down for the next couple of years. But at the same time, take advantage of his you know, eliteness and that spark around the ground. And, and he, at some stages last week, he was the only thing keeping him in the game. Yeah, and he's he's one of the best players in the competition to watch. You got Brad Shepherd, first time All Australian in his eleven seasons there. Duggan, I think, uh, shined this year and had a really good season. Uh, so old faithful Shannon Hearn, yeah. the, the boot, the big leg, the calf. He's just he's just an absolute you know a staple in their side. And but if you you, you list off literally their top ten players, they are potential All Australians if they're playing at their potential. Gaff, Kelly, Sheed, Shepherd, Duggan, Hearn, Shuey. You know, Red and Ryan, Nat Nui, Yo, like, and then we then we have you know we get down to like Kennedy and Darling. Mm. That's an elite squad, and they need to be doing more than finishing fifth. Yes, they only lost five games for the year, but we mentioned three losses that they shouldn't have had. Yep, and that sets them up in second or third. They win the first week. They beat Brisbane. They beat Richmond. They beat you know Port Adelaide at home, full strength firing. They're looking at a grand final, like, and it's it's disappointing for them because I think when they they popped one early against Collingwood when they weren't really expected to to get there and they were overperformed that season, I think we were really underestimating the talent they've got there, and that should have been returns return sets back to the the premiership every year. Yeah, they're at least um, finishing that top four and uh, really give you give you give yourselves and supporters a real red hot goal at it. So. West Coast Eagles supporters, our listeners over in Western Australia would be very disappointed. Our listeners over in Western Australia that go for Fremantle would be very happy with that result, I would imagine, with that massive rivalry they got. But, uh, yeah, disappointing end for for the Eagles. And I I do like to, you know, try and uh, go for the Eagles, especially against Collingwood in a final. I, I don't like seeing Collingwood still in it, so... Not, not the best. Yeah, and, and I guess it probably sounded like we were really harsh on them because they did have a really successful season. They, they did were faced with a lot of adversity because they were probably, you know, the team that was furthest away from home. They did have a pretty horrible schedule there. But as we said, their window is shutting. Shuey and Nat Nui are 31. Like, and, you know, Nat Nui was all Australian form this year. You're not going to get a better setup for a premiership than this year. And for me, a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, it's probably a pass mark for Eagles. For me, it's a failure this year. Yeah, it has to be a fail because they finished fifth and uh, went out. If they won the first final, yeah, maybe they've got another chance. They, pass, pass mark. Yeah, they might they might have got a pass. But you saying Nat Nui is thirty one years old this year? Geez, that makes me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, imagine how it makes me feel. <laughs> I remember Jack Watts uh, got drafted pick number one, and uh, Nat Nui went over to the West at pick two. So uh, yeah, that was, uh, and like Jack, Jack Watts, Jack Watts retired this year, so yeah. um, he hasn't got many. Many legs left in him, especially with, you know, had, had a bit of an injury-redden career um, for, for the later end of it. They needed to capitalise. That's it. All right. So uh, that'll that'll sum up season over. So we'll continue with that segment in the coming weeks, Source, when uh, other teams do get eliminated. So hopefully it's not both our team next week to season over or else uh, maybe just take that statement back and we won't do it. Yeah, maybe it'll be podcast over. <laughs> we might just do that one and just be done. Hashtag no, podcast over. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's a good one to get that one trending. Hashtag uh, podcast over. But there is one last thing that I want to mention on today's pod, Pez. A big, big announcement. It's re- I'm really happy that um, I get to announce this. But uh, our man, JB, oh, has, been, has been appointed 
for his second final, second de- debutante for the final series, and he's made it to the second week with confidence. Look for him in the tonight's game, the, the Richmond-St. Kilda game. He is the goal umpire, of course. And in the last three weeks, no goal reviews, and that's what is getting him the, the, the appointment, and that's what's about getting business done. Jesse Baird, amazing, amazing job as the goal umpire. Oh, we said it uh, the other week on the road to umpiring the grand final in his Called first it season. First. Called it here. We, we did, and it's uh, unbelievable that we have. I can't believe no other media outlets are talking about him, but I do not want to mention uh, the, the other goal umpire, but I have to. David Roden. Doesn't have a gig this week. No, no. It was emergency last week and didn't get the gig this week. And how could you when JB's putting up uh, absolute gems like that with confidence? Boom. And we need to find out what that actually is, the, uh, the old salute for the goal, because we can't just keep saying boom and the old finger waggle. Like, no one, no one can see us. This is a podcast. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, that's all right. Uh, Jesse Baird, he'll, he'll do a good job tonight. He won't uh, review anything and I've got my faith in him. And David Roden, you cost yourself in that, in that game where you... You did the review. It was either a behind or out in the full, mate. Just <laughs> yep. make the call. Andy Maguire dug your grave because he, he he carried on about that for a good time and uh, it was made very known that you were letting it slip. But uh, it's not about the negativity, pairs. We don't work in a deficit model here at the uh, behind the boundary. What we do, we're all over our man, JB. Stand with JB. Wait, rave those flags. Get around him tonight. So even if your team, Richmond or St Kilda, lose tonight, you'll have something to cheer about because JB will, will be there giving the fingers. <laughs> Given the fingers. Oh, I got one better. Given the fingers and when he gets eliminated, which is not going to happen, he can give the forks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Pez, we might uh, wrap things up. I know you're super eager to get into tonight's game. I can see the nerves starting there. You're fidgeting, you're fiddling. You'll be right, mate. Come on, the Saints are coming. Yeah, get around it. The Saints are coming. Uh, let's... Uh Let's get into it, all right? And we'll do our Cheeky Punch show as well, so keep an eye out on that. Follow us on Twitter, at Behind the Bound, Instagram, at Behind the Bound, Facebook, Behind the Boundary Podcast. I'm Pez. Peace out. I'm still Sauce. We'll catch up next time, guys.